Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Goddess Podcast with today's theme, the four attachment styles and how they affect your relationship. So super excited to have on board Dr. Florencia here. So before I go on to introduce her, I would love for us to get all into coherence with our heart, our mind, and our bodies by just taking a few moments to tune in. Tune in by allowing our gaze, maybe lowering our gaze, or even closing your eyes if you feel comfortable and just following your breath flowing in and out of your body just flowing with your breath and maybe perhaps tuning in to any parts of your body that you're feeling some tension maybe some stiffness maybe some soreness just sort of tune in and channel your breath there. Our breath is so powerful. It can send oxygenated blood to that area, alleviating some of the discomfort. And just allowing the breath to be your medicine this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. And now I invite you to focus your attention in the area of the heart. And once again, channeling your breath to this beautiful organ that's keeping us alive. And as we breathe in and out of the heart area, I invite you to make a sincere attempt to visualize someone that you're grateful for today. It could also be a pet. Visualize this person and send all the love, the gratitude, and the appreciation that you have for them. And in this space of immense gratitude for this person being in your life, I invite you to send gratitude to yourself. Send love and appreciation for yourself, for being here and making the time to listen to this podcast and get new information, perhaps a motivation to try something new after today's podcast. Beautiful. On your next exhale, I invite you to slowly open your eyes.
come back to us. Thank you. So we have here today, Dr. Florencia is a licensed psychologist and relationship coach. She helps high achieving modern day women break free from unfulfilling dating and relationship patterns and give them and gives them evidence-based tools to create the relationships they desire. As a black woman, she once believed she couldn't have the successful career, thriving love life and hedonistic lifestyle she deeply wanted. Riddled with self-doubt, low self-esteem and internalized shame. She believed she couldn't have it all and that a meaningful relationship was not in the cards for her. But through her journey of self-discovery, unlearning limiting beliefs and developing a deeper connection with herself, she rewrote the script of her love life. Through the power of healing, she started a new chapter that is more aligned with her truest self, desires, core values, and aspirations. Wow, this is so inspirational already. Just reading your profile. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time to be with our community today. How are you, Dr. Florencia? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. And that intro to meditation was exactly what I needed. Awesome. That's usually <laughs> the case. All relaxed and at ease. So thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So tell us your story, Florencia. Why are you doing what you're doing? What wakes you up in the morning? Yeah, so why why I do what I do is because I, you know, as you read my intro, like I was once in a place where I felt very confused about my life, especially about the kind of partners that I was attracting at one point. Um, you know, and and I and I know that there are a lot of women who are in the position that I was, you know, four or five years ago where they've got the career they they are highly educated especially um you know women of color like you know culturally speaking we wear a lot of hats like we are the the homemakers we are the ones who uh are the breadwinners you know we we go um and achieve a whole lot you know academically or you know career-wise so we may have all of that um you know all patterned out but then there might be one aspect of of, of ourselves where we may not necessarily feel confident within ourselves because we feel as though that we keep stuck in a pattern when we attract men in this case who are just either not up to par or they may want to compete with us because they feel threatened by all of the things that we've got going on for ourselves and therefore we're just not aligned in our relationships so as i went through my journey you know again of healing self-discovery uh figuring out what i want in life and and who i am right and how my past experiences have influenced my present and, and continued at the time to, to influence my, my, my present at the time that is when a lot of things unlocked and, and opened doors, you know, for me. So now that I'm on the other end of it, I thought, okay, well, let me put my ex my lived experience as well as my academic experience, of course, as being a clinical uh, psychologist, put that into practice and help liberate, you know, women who were, who were like, you know, who are now in the position that I was, you know, five years ago. So yeah, so that is, that is my mission to liberate women. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. So resonating with a lot of what you're saying as well. <clears throat> so tell us what are the four attachment styles? So without going into too much detail, because it, attachment styles in and of itself are quite complex and can take up a whole hour if you let me so but so let me just um have like an umbrella way of discussing it so right. the four attachment styles are well you've got secure which is ones that we are you know very well familiar with which is the ones who uh, are able to connect fairly easily with people who are able to develop healthy and balanced relationships. They are able to, uh, you know, embrace independence, but they also uh, like to seek connection. So they've got a healthy balance of that. So those people um, fit within the secure attachment style. Now, once we move into insecure attachment styles, one of them is anxious, which is 
I thought she's got an anxious attachment style. So I resonate deeply with the anxious um, attachment style. So those are people who may have experienced um, inconsistent um, parenting. So the parents may, you know, one day they might be very loving and then the, the next day, you know, uh, they are, I may be maybe very uh, dismissive or they don't really um, connect with you on an, on an emotional level. So that inconsistency has then developed um, an anxious attachment style in adulthood. Mm. Now, moving on, the, we've got avoidance. Uh, avoidant attachment style which is most likely people have experienced um, parents who were emotionally just not available so as adults they don't really know how to manage connection right or deep connection so they may get into relationships and you know have kind of like one one foot in and the other foot out you know, or they are very avoidant or dismissive of of emotions about um and 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 feelings and and wanting to connect right and then the last one is disorganized which is one the one that is maybe the most complex out of the four i would say because that is most likely developed from um uh, someone who has experienced quite significant trauma uh, within their, you know, within their childhood, um, they may have experienced very abusive um, uh, parents. They may have witnessed um, a lot of violence in their life, so they may have their 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 idea of love and affection may be rooted in violence a lot of the time. Um, and in my practice, what I've noticed is that often it goes hand in hand with people who may have got some type of personality disorders or personality traits i would phrase it as well um so you know so it is more complex out of the four but yes in overall those are the the four uh attachment styles so um i love that thank you for sharing that so how does it work then does it are we prone to gravitate towards one of these or do we can we is there a person that can have a mix of all of them or a mix of a few of them or is it just sort of that one attachment style that we yeah um, good question no that's a good question because there is a misconception that you know people kind of fall into one or the other uh, kind of like a category if you like but that is not necessarily the case attachment styles um is fluid mm. right so okay. you may be in one so for example um when it comes to i don't know let's say the constant relationship with my parents i might be very uh a very avoidant let's say but when it comes to um when i'm dating or in relationships i may i may be more secure because of what the other person um um kind of um what what was the word i'm looking for maybe instills in me maybe the kind of safety that they're able to provide and may feel more secure mm. right so it can mm-hmm. definitely be situational dependent right. um but it's also you know as you as you evolve in life and as you right. different stages yourself, yeah you go through different stages where you know your attachment style can definitely change so it all depends and it's definitely not set in stone um so so yeah i do kind of like want to emphasize that because i do see a lot of um rhetoric online that you know says like okay well if you fit within this kind of category then then that's it like that that is just your way of relating to to people that that is just not the case it's it's very much context dependent and also you know to how much you are exposed to because you if you are in you know in your life if you are exposed to more healthier dynamics you will growly adjust to that and that is then something that you will mold into so so yeah it's it's not it's not set in stone so thank you for that and so is there an advantage of being one over the other like for me obviously it sounds like secure is the best attachment style (laughs) so but in certain situations perhaps in a very toxic relationship then maybe avoidance would be something so is there is there a situational way to actually navigate through these or what is your opinion on that yeah so to give to to, to give an example right like if for instance 
I have a client who has an anxious attachment style, but they're dating someone who is avoidant, let's say. Theoretically, it's, it's, and you may think that it would be a shambles because you've got a person who desperately wants connection and, you know, and, 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 you know, is fearful of, of feeling rejected and feeling abandoned and all of these things. And then, and then you've got another person who doesn't want connection and is fearful of connection, right? So he wants that distance. But actually having the polar opposites can work in, in, in each other's benefits because one can teach that actually having connection is healthy and mm. actually being open about how you feel and creating space for each other that is healthy. Whereas the other person can teach the other, okay, well, having some time to yourself, you know, having some independence within your relationship, you know, that can also be healthy. So, so together, you can find a gray area that works for your relationship. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, okay, because you're polar opposites, it, it, it has to be volatile. No, mm. it's about learning what works and what doesn't and finding the right balance that, that works for both of you. Mm, I like that. It takes two to tangle. That's what kind of came up for me to make it work, you know? There you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so, and how do you find out what uh, attachment style you are? Is there some sort of questionnaire or how do you find out? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm there's loads of like attachment style questionnaires online. Yeah. You just go onto Google and say, Google, get, what, what, what's my, my attachment style? Uh-huh. I can't you know, find out. And then loads of like different, um, you know, tests will, will come up. But of course, if you wanted to do it, you know, properly, I would suggest have a therapist like myself mm-hmm. <laughs> work in a session or two and actually, you know, do the, do the questionnaire and, you know, in, in person with, with your therapist and go through all the historical stuff right. so that you know for sure uh, what it is. Um, but, you know, but again, it's to me personally, I feel like, although yes, having or knowing which attachment style you fit within or you know or what resonates the most with you can be helpful because you can then that helps you to understand how you relate to other people in certain situations however as mentioned before it may also be limiting to yourself because you may not necessarily feel like you can work or grow beyond those categories that you've put yourself in Mm. so Take it with, I would say, with a little bit of a pinch of salt in the sense that, you know, just because you resonate with one attachment style doesn't mean that, you know, the others won't be uh, a factor for you or that you can't move into secure um, because you're, you know, because you've got an insecure attachment style. It it just doesn't work like that. So I was in the personal development business and now I'm in the health and wellness um, development business. And when I was doing a lot of HR consulting, the number one um, thing that you need to engage in, in order to have some sort of personal development, career development, any really sort of transformation is self-awareness. So for me, it sounds like these four attachments is a good starting point to be self-aware that, hey, you may be in this um, category, but not to pigeonhole you that this is, you know, this category, like you said, it has its strengths and weaknesses. And so it's that first initial self-awareness to find that step. Amazing. So, so then how does, how do these attachment styles, and I I know you touched a little bit upon it, but is there anything else you want to add to your, how do they affect your relationships? Yeah, so um, it can it can look differently for you know right. for for everyone. However, in my experience, um, you know, growing up, uh, I I was basically split between two households. So I I grew up in foster care as well as with my uh, biological parents. So what I would look like is uh, in uh, over the weekdays I'll be my, with my foster parents, and during the weekend I'll be with my biological parents. Right, so I was constantly split between two households between two cultures between two cities and uh, you know being of Ghanaian heritage 
Um, so for, from, from West Africa, there is a completely different style of parroting. It's not as lovey-dovey, unfortunately, for a lot of us. Like, obviously, I can't speak for all, but for a lot of us, it's it's not, you know, you don't say your I love you, so you don't get the cuddles and the kisses and and, and things. And, and it's very uh, hierarchical in the sense that, you know, a child has nothing to say in the household because you're you just because you're a child right and um you know your opinion doesn't really matter and all of all of these things and um uh one of my parents were well especially like my mother she was very harsh and and then that is a whole podcast episode in and of itself but um so my relationship with in uh, with my mom and I just met with my parents as a whole felt very uh, volatile whereas in the weekday when I was met with my foster um parents they were of white heritage, um, so they were Dutch Caucasian, and that was just a completely different world, right? So because they were sharing me with 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 affection, uh, you know, with affirmation, um, you know, I, my opinion did matter, and I did feel seen, and you know, it was just a very very loving household. So just so just imagine experiencing that contrast. Mm-hmm. Mm. you know every week <laughs> as mm-hmm. a child that's incredibly confusing so right. so that and in this in addition to other other things you know that has shaped how I viewed myself in the sense that I didn't really feel safe mm. um within relationship because I didn't really know what to expect I didn't know what was normal um and also I didn't really know how to communicate what I needed uh and and and, and communicate my, my boundaries so as an adult that then set me up for uh attracting or being in relationships where my needs my wants didn't really matter you know mm. so um so yeah. that's kind of like that pattern that I, I had experienced as a child of you know, uh, being disciplined all of the time, um, you know, being dismissed all of the time, um, and, and all of these things that was re, uh, reproduced, um, in, in my adult relationships. Cause I was essentially what I was drawn towards was what I, what felt familiar yeah. to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was seeking my, my pair, my biological parents, Right in in my adult relationships, and I didn't realize this up until like when I started the self discovery journey. I started therapy and unpacking, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on for me, how I think, and 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 my past experiences. And I realized, oh my gosh, like the reason why I keep repeating the same pattern is because it, that that is just what's normal to me. What 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 feels abnormal is stability. You know, right. and, and and someone who is con- constantly emotionally available to me, and um, you know, who is loving and caring, and and all of these things, because it just it felt incredibly foreign to me. And in fact, it may have even felt boring to me. Like, what, what what's what's going on here? Like, let me let me go somewhere else where it's more more exciting, volatile. And, yeah, 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 and, and <laughs> yeah, exactly, volatile. So so yeah. So that is how how I kept myself stuck. And that's how a lot of people keep themselves stuck because they don't realize that, okay, well, actually there is a reason why this pattern is happening. And before um, before anything else, you have to look within, like, why is it that, you know, that this pattern is happening? And what am I doing that is contributing or allowing this pattern to reoccur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So identifying the pattern mm-hmm. um, of the behavior is really something internal. It's an internal exercise. So it's not necessarily the men that you are choosing to be with. It's that, that choice that you're making that is attracting the same men <laughs> to come into your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Because more, more often than not, we, we know like and more often than not our body our energy like you, you can tell when someone isn't your person or when someone isn't treating you very well or yeah, is a bit yeah. a bit suspect right but when you're not in tune with yourself or 
you don't really know how to vocalize what your needs are or your fear you've got a a deep fear of rejection or abandonment and, and all of these things right so you don't vocalize what's going on for you and you're kind of just allowing it to happen or you're turning a blind eye to things then you know weeks down the line months down the line you find yourself stuck in this relationship you think well how the hell did i did i find myself here but actually when you go backwards look at oh okay well yeah and the and, uh the, the second the second date you know he said something very outlandish or he said something very wayward to me but i kind of like brushed it to the side because i thought well whatever he may have been in the in the in the mood or I may have I don't know maybe I I triggered something in him so therefore like it's okay or whatever and that then escalates to the point where you know you're just in a very unhealthy or unsafe or even worse you know situations mm-hmm. yeah. a toxic relationship right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. why is it so hard to get out of a toxic relationship once you've sort of realized that it's toxic because well based on my experience and you know the clients that i've had more often than not we're afraid of being alone mm-hmm. you don't want to be alone mm-hmm. you don't want to feel rejected I mean, we don't want we don't want to accept failure also yeah. because True. to admit that and especially when you reach a certain age right like you know um like i'm i'm a millennial myself like i just i just turned um 30 and all of my clients are around the same age range and when you are when you hit a certain age uh bracket let's say there is this pressure of Mm-hmm. wanting to settle down wanting to have kids you know and 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 having that ideal ideal picture so when you find yourself in a toxic relationship anything my gosh like what what do i what do i do next um that that's then in and of itself would, would have to mean that you may have to start over right and yeah. and, and find and find and some someone someone else and some people don't necessarily want to do that or they don't feel they don't feel ready to do that Mm -hmm. um so yeah so it does then depend on the individual but a a lot of it does stem from like societal expectations expectations that you set on yourself um and the shame Mm -hmm. that has been internalized as well because it is perceived as a failure right um I sort of uh, they even just label it as a failed relationship, right? So yes. instead, the way I see it, because I've I've gone through um, a few relationships, is it was just such a, a beautiful learning uh, experience for me that allowed me to realize even more. Oh no, this is what I want, and this is what makes me happy, as opposed to what I don't want and what doesn't make me happy. So the next relationship was always better. It was always a, a progressive sort of move towards um, the person that I'm with now, which I'm really, really happy and excited about. So for me, it wasn't a failure. It was more like, okay, feedback. Okay. This is feedback. Yeah. It's not working yeah. out, but, you, but it's true. It, it, like, especially for my, um, when I was engaged, it was so much easier just to stay together. I mean, we had, we didn't, well, wedding plans were definitely almost all not all of them but yeah they, we just had a lot planned and it would have just been so much easier just to stick with it than to actually leave so yes it's that whole comfort level that you're in it's the the fear of failure and so i i understand that definitely resonate with it so yeah. you had you had a pivotal moment that allowed you to to sort of that aha moment where you're like wow mm-hmm. there is a pattern here right and yeah well, is, is there a particular moment or was it just through your own personal discovery journey? I think it was definitely a journey. <laughs> it was definitely a journey. But what really shifted for me was um, I had a male therapist at the time, a, a black male therapist. And, and I was very deliberate in choosing a black man as my therapist because again I'm a heterosexual woman and uh in my experience I have been in relationships with predominantly uh uh black men 
right? So in order to work through whatever it is that I needed to work through, I felt like it was appropriate for me to have a Black man as my therapist. And I'm glad I did. It was incredibly difficult, by the way. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to everyone because it's incredibly triggering and incredibly difficult, but <laughs> it did what I needed to do. In what um, way? In what way was it incredibly difficult? It was incredibly difficult because... Oh gosh! <laughs> How do I even explain this? It, because the therapeutic dynamic was so intense. Because I, you know, I'm I'm a therapist, so I know exactly what's going on in the room, right? Mm-hmm. So and I was this almost power struggle of trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was just an unconscious power struggle there mm-hmm. for one and two. He just, he reminded me of, 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 the of my ex, ex-partners. Um, right. Incredibly intra- attractive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um, and you quite hear a lot of the time about, um, you know, especially if you have, like, psychodynamic uh, therapists or psychoanalytic ter- uh, therapists that, you know, clients can fall in love with, with their, with their yeah, therapists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that was so that was basically the case. I, 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 like I fell in love with my therapist, but there was just this un, unconscious kind of uh, attachment mm. um, yearning for him on top of every, everything else that was going on, and then obviously you know you talk through uh, you talk through a lot of painful. Um, experiences and and you and, and you're because vulnerable you were, right yeah you you're have to vulnerable. Be vulnerable and you know and he reminded me of my experience like I said so at the same time I want to be vulnerable but I feel unsafe because mm-hmm. you remind me so much of my past and right. how do I work through this and I think you're incredibly hot and I don't know what to do with that <laughs> <laughs> so there was just a lot there was a lot going on um but uh, but to answer your your first question in terms of like what was a pivotal moment, well there were two pivotal moments actually. So the first one was I remember that we spoke about preferences, and I said, well, um, at the time I said, um, yeah, I don't know if my my type uh, finds finds me attractive because I tend, uh, you know, the, the type of guys that I would want are quite like the popular guys, like the popular, the popular guy at school, for example, right? Like the, the one that, um, every girl would want or, you know, uh, um, uh, kind of like an, el- an alpha guy, if you like, uh, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I don't think that, that, that I'm their type. Um, and, and then he said, well, do you find yourself attractive? And I said, well, actually, no, I don't. Because, again, past experiences and what I've been through, uh, just being a, a dark-skinned, you know, Black woman growing up, um, those who are dark-skinned who are listening know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that, that, you know, uh, that, that idea that I had that I'm just not desirable, I'm not attractive, that was internalized. So I genuinely didn't feel like I was attractive. And then he said to me, do you honestly believe that? And I said, well, why do you say that? I said, I, I think you're sexy. I think you're attractive. And that, that blew my mind. Cause that's my, <laughs> cause that's my, that's my therapist, right? I've, I've never heard that <laughs> in therapy that your therapist can say, well, actually, I think you're attractive. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with that, but that opened up a window for me to think okay well do i genuinely think that i'm this this ugly duckling like do i genuinely believe that about myself or is it because i've been bullied for so many years because of the way that i looked mm. and my skin color and being you know uh, being a curvier girl growing up and things are those voices of those bullies have i internalized that and have i now become my own bully essentially mm-hmm. is that what it is so so that so that really helped to shift things and then the second thing was um when I I was speaking about kind of my relational traumas um and a pattern that I found myself stuck in where I, I was just attracting really abusive 
men, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to put it uh, quite simply. Um, and what I found in my experience was that men were sexualizing me a lot, again, because of my body type. And um, and I just didn't know why, why that was. And uh, as we were sp- speaking, he said, well, actually, I've noticed over the weeks that you tend to, your way of relating to someone or your way of creating connection with someone is actually leading with your, with your sexuality. You're leading with your body. And I can, I can, and he said it to me, like, I I can see it every single time when you come into, come into session, like, you know, you, you make sure that, that your, your girls are sitting up high and, you know, and you're doing like, you're really flirty and, and all of these things, right? Um, you're, you're leading with sex. Have you noticed that about yourself? I said, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Um, and he said, "Well, you may want to think back in, in, in uh, to scenarios and think about like well, how is it, how is it that you try to connect with these guys? And that is not even, and I was not. Uh, it's not in a victim blaming way, but it's just just in a context of how do you communicate, mm-hmm. right? Like what what is what is your way of communicating with people? Body and language I, is that." He meant yeah, body, just body language. Body language. Mm. It's a body. It's an unconscious mm-hmm. body language thing. So it's not even me consciously. So so essentially, what was happening, right? Well, and that's what we figured out eventually is that what I want is for someone to. I pretty much. I just want a teddy bear. Like I want someone to just just cuddle me, look after me, speak nice things to me, and all of these things. But what I'm leading with is. Uh, right. sensuality, mm-hmm. sexual, like yes, and and you know, and I, I, I want to, I seduce you right. in in ways, right? And with men, because men are men. Hey, sorry, <laughs> right? As as men who are um, socialized to be hunters, let's say. Right, who are socialized to to yeah to, to to get to get that 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 woman and 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 all of these things and be be dominant, be assertive, and all of these things, right? But when they when they see someone who is so seductive, they jump on that, right? And I didn't re I didn't realize that, mm-hmm. um, and that is how, in some ways, I found myself in a pattern where. I was I was just being viewed as a sexual object rather than a whole human being. Um, so that, that was that, that was definitely a a learning process for sure. Yes. So is that related to your attachment style? Is there a relationship there, or a cause and effect? That, n- or no, that is n- that's not necessarily an attachment style issue is more of just it's just trauma okay <laughs> and at the end of the day you know uh yeah my my ex- my experience of trauma were often uh sexually related right so uh people who have experienced that type of trauma uh often are very disconnected with their bodies mm-hmm. um and how they communicate right uh, they may actually um feel more comfortable uh communicating in a certain way on on a on a sexual manner because again that is what what they they're know. used to right um that's what they know um and I, you know there are also people who are who, who go the opposite direction where they don't want anything to do with with sex at all and whatsoever um so i can go the opposite direction as well but for in my case it right. was okay well this this is this is how you this is how you connect through sex and and you know um and seduction and, and and things so so that was just the way that i communicated and i realized that actually i don't have to i don't have to do that in order to feel affection and feel love and get attention i can get that in other in other ways yeah. i just had to figure out how because i i just simply i just didn't know i just didn't know how to yes because obviously you were doing that body language 
um, portraying that at the subconscious level. So now that you've uncovered that at the conscious level, how do you undo that or unlearn how to do that if you were yeah. doing it at the subconscious level? I'm yeah. Curious. Yeah. Yes. It's 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 through it's through well, I mean, now that I've got the awareness, I know that that is something that I do. So I right. try to be aware of it, but because it's, a, it's an unconscious thing, more often than not, I need I need someone to point it out to me. So mm. now my partner, um, you know, when he notices that I, you know, communicate in a certain way or do certain things when it comes to uh, when it comes to sex, for example, or when it comes to connecting with him, he points out, "Oh, you're doing that. You're doing that thing again." Are you aware that you're doing that thing again? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I wasn't aware of that. I was doing that. Thanks for that. Thanks for letting me know. Okay. And then, so so that that kind of helps to retrain your brain. Yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. you go, okay. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Let's let's try and 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 do something else instead, or let's let's try something else in, uh, instead. So so yeah, it's it's through pointing out, um, but also just having a lot of patience and and grace um and being well not being afraid to communicate exactly what it is that you want so verbalizing what it is Mm -hmm. that you want so if i feel anxious or if i feel uh, lonely in a moment right rather than just going by default trying to seek that connection through sex or through whatever it is so okay well actually i i feel very anxious in this moment in time i'm not quite sure what i need but this is what i'm feeling right now and i I need you i need you to attend to me right now and then we'll just figure it out together we just Mm -hmm. figure it out together Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it's a learning process and and you're very lucky sounds like you have a really good partner <laughs> that is very aware as well and uh cooperative too so we're not not everybody is as lucky for sure to have that and Sounds and that's really it that's it you know it's uh, in life you know we're all just trying to figure it out in life right but there are people out there who are willing and open to learn with you who are very patient mm-hmm. um so you know there is a lot of rhetoric out there that you know there's piss in the dating pool and stuff <laughs> like that, that kind of rhetoric going around but you know there are people out there who are open Mm-hmm. And we're ready to love you in the way that you need to be loved. Mm-hmm. But it's up to you to communicate what you need. And it's up to you to be open to that, despite the horrible and the nasty experiences that you've had. Um, and, and it's also up to you to keep trying um, because it will happen eventually. You know, it happened for me and it happened for, for many of my other um, uh, women that I've, I've, I've worked with. So it's possible. But you just have to put yourself out there. Yes. So let's say, for example, we have a listener who is really resonating with what you're saying and identifies the pattern or at least identifies that there is a pattern. Doesn't maybe not necessarily the specifics around the pattern, but there's definitely a pattern in the men uh, or the women that they're choosing um, as a partner. What would be your recommendation? Of course, number one, seek, you know, a professional um, yeah. therapist to help you yeah. navigate through these. Cause obviously, you know, just taking a quiz, finding your attachment style and, and all of this is, is, um, is great, but it's a found sort of foundation to taking it further. Uh, yeah. but what would be besides that? Cause that's obviously the, the given and logical, what would be something that you can, you can tell them to do or ask them to consider as a first step? The first step what I would what I would suggest is to take a step back and look mm. at what your value systems are. Mm. And it may sound, and you may think about, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, actually, it's got to do with a lot because once you know what your value systems are and what it is that you deeply care about, what is it that you're passionate about, what is it that makes you happy, you will then know, okay, well, what is that a partner that I want? How do they fit into that value system? Because if you if you are seeing someone in your relationship with someone who does not care for all of the things that you care for, 
Yeah. How, how does that, how does that match up? Right? That's why I don't yeah. really I don't really agree with the opposites attract strategy. I really don't. I feel yeah. like yes, complementary maybe if they complement each other, but not opposite. I mean, if I value you know sports and activity and movement, and you're a couch potato, I really don't think there's going to be you know uh, there's a longevity to this relationship. But yeah, is that is that mm-hmm. what you, is that what you mean by that? And, and, and that's what I mean. But at the same time, I mean more in the sense that, um, okay, saying, you know, I am into sports, so I need someone else to be into sports. Yes, that is important. But at the end of the day, if, you know, we've had COVID, right? So sports for a lot of people was kind of like put on hold in a sense. So like, so so what's so what else? Like what, if you're in between two and two, um, if you are stuck in four walls, like what is it? What is it that keeps you going every day? Mm-hmm. Well, know? so for so, me, so for me, sports is um, the value is you know being healthy, being active, being enjoying healthy. enjoying nature. That's what I value, right? So if the person doesn't right. appreciate that it doesn't value that then yeah we'd have and it's all of my partners have been very sporty people because that's what we have in common let's go to park to park let's rollerblade let's go biking let's like do that because that's you know that's something that i value and they valued as well and that's why it worked so that's what i mean yes. like, in terms of like having values underlying values maybe yeah and and that is and that and that is my point so actually what you're saying is what i really value is health what i yes. really value is being in nature right that is right so so the 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 by product let's say of right being sports active, or movement being active all of these different things yes exactly so so that is where mm-hmm. things should match so um so for instance um i have clients who to really enjoy, uh, you know, traveling, for instance, they want to explore the world. Right. So someone who wants to stay in one place and doesn't really value travel. Doesn't have a passport. <laughs> doesn't have a passport. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is tricky, right? That yeah. is tricky. Um, so, so that is what you have to figure out. And so, you know, I was, I would suggest make a list of, let's say six things that you really value and unpack those things. Right. So as we've done, as, as we've done here, um, I, I value sports. Okay. What is it about sports that I really value? I like to be in nature. I like to be outdoors. I like to, you know, uh, feel healthy, all of these things. Right. And so what's that look like for you in your day to day? So write all of that down journal about that, sit with that. And then, you know, okay. Also my partner would be able to fit into those. Right. Now, do I say, that they have to fit within all of the six things? No, not necessarily, mm-hmm. but for the most part, because that is something that you would like to share or if not share at the very least respected, right? So that there's a common, there's common grounds there that you can both build on. So that's where I would start. I love that. That's beautiful. Very practical too. And then perhaps yeah. you can look at your history and say, we, you know, the, the men that just, for example, if you're a woman and the, the partner that I chose sort of fit into, or was aligned to three out of these six. So that's why maybe it didn't work out. And this relationship was a little better and maybe because it was four out of the six. So that's some really cool self-analysis that you can do that. I like that. I like that. That's a really great starting point. And then of course, contact you for, how do we <laughs> how do we make sense of all of this and take it to the next step? I love that. Absolutely. So what Absolutely. is the most common advice that you find you're giving to your clients? If there is one, there might not be one. Most common advice is really, and it, this sounds really selfish, but to live your life for you. Um, because if you live your life for other people, you're you're going to end up miserable and you're going to feel like you know you're you're missing out and Mm. you're not going to be the best version of yourself and if you're not the best version of yourself you know you have to question well what is it that you've got to offer in your relationship then if you're not um so that is uh, that is what the most common advice um i give so actually a lot of the work that i do with my clients is 
thinking about, okay, well, what does your life currently look like and how can we improve that? How can we strengthen what we've already uh, got going on for, for ourselves? And how can we build on that? And how can we merge you know the that relationship that you want in the life that you you know that you feel the most most happy happy with mm-hmm. and it's true right i love this how it's never a coincidence my guests that come on just there's such amazing alignment and and like-mindedness and you know i say this all the time self-care is not selfish it's self-love right and it's really Absolutely. and and I, I oftentimes like i'm i'm single and i'm dating someone but i'm not married and i don't have kids and oftentimes i get a bit of a yeah but you're doing this it's easier for you to do this and live this life that you're living is because you don't have dependence right but i feel like if i was married and i, and I had kids i would probably be the exact same way right like there's i need to do my yoga i need to do my breathing i need to do my meditation like i will find time i will go rollerblading with my kids and a dog you know like i see some some women at, at a park with like they have the stroller rollerblading pushing the stroller like having another kid on there on rollerblades too and i'm like yeah that's kind of probably how i would be right so i find uh i'm, I'm totally resonating with what you're saying 100 so thank you for sharing that for sure i just wanted to add as well yeah. is that you know having a family um doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have help right so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time what i'm also finding is that Mm -hmm. women get into marriages or or have have children and then all of a sudden everything that they that they want or that they desire is now put on the back burner when it it doesn't have to work that way like you know it takes a village to raise a child so where is your village (laughs) i love that yeah, it's yeah, so welcome, true. welcome your village. You know, absolutely. And I think it's a very westernized way of looking at parenting because when you look at other cultures, like the neighbors help out, you know, yeah, there is a support system. There is a support system. So there is time to look after yourself as the mother. Absolutely. You know, so you need to, you need to definitely consider that as well. I love that. I do. I do get a lot of women saying, you know what? It's, it's about my kids now. The time is about my kids. I'm like, these kids are going to like, it's going to take you 15 to 20 years for that to be, for, to be about you because they're going to need you for at least 15 to 20 years. Right. <laughs> so it's imagine that giving up 20 years of your self-care and your individuality, because you, you feel that this pressure to do it all, to be all to these children and to really like forego your happiness because you want to be a good mother and there's this pressure to be a good mother. And I, I, you know, I talk to women all the time and these young mothers and even um, older mothers, and that's kind of the feedback that I get. And sometimes I have to bite my lip because, you know, again, I don't have children, so they can easily say, well, you don't know what, what it feels like, you know, it's because I, I have these children and I am living for them right now. And then once they're independent, then I'll get my, my time back. And it's just like, no, it doesn't work that way because then what are you showing your children as well? The self-sacrificial, you know, per- martyr figure you are demonstrating to your kids, especially your female children, right? right. Which is just going to reproduce right so it's kind of i i beg the mothers uh, that are listening to this um, episode to really take this into consideration it's not lashing out it's not judging just to take it into consideration is this really the what you want to portray to your children um how you know the self this whole notion of self-care right and it's interesting i was just i just flew back from from London, actually. And it always makes me chuckle when they talk about the oxygen mask. So there was a mother holding her baby and the flight attendant, the cabin crew reminded her, you know, make sure if the oxygen mask comes down, you put yours on first. And I just love that because it's exactly what I preach, right? It just, you need to be filling your cup before you can, you know, go out there. And a lot of people just make up excuses or just really feel that that's just not the way it's supposed to be, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what? again, no judgment because it is what is kind of, you know, we soak that up in just in, right. in, in the common narratives about like what parenting mm. should look like. But 
trust me, in other countries, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's stop, so true. You know, stop. Yeah, like you have to keep reminding yourself that that it, it can look differently, and and it does look differently in other places. So so why am mm. I limiting myself to something that doesn't necessarily work for me? Um, and children are like sponges. Although yes, they're very resilient children, but they are sponges. So when you are tired, exhausted, feeling resentful for whatever uh, you know uh, reason they soak up that they they soak that up like it's yeah. it's just unavoidable so if you don't want to do it for you then at least do it for your children to look after yourself because they they need you to be at your best yes that's so true yes. i love that i love that perspective about other countries never never thought of it that way but i i really do love that so what is the best advice that you have ever been given that still holds true today Best advice that I've ever been given. Um, that I've got more control than I than I than I think. I think that that was really empowering for me because, um, and especially coming from, uh, you know, having a history of a lot of abuse and and trauma, I always felt as though that life was just happening to me. And, you know, it's it's just, it, it is what it is. And there might just be something that I am attracting where the universe is just pouring all of this shit on me, basically. Um, when actually you do have a lot more control. You, you, you know, you can choose who you engage with. You can choose what you spend your time on. You can choose, um, you know, who is worthy to be in your space. You, you can choose... Uh, where to draw the line, you know. So all of these different things that, that there are choices that you can make where you can exercise control. Um, I mean, yeah, just you know, example of now me moving countries, right? I mean, I uh, I lived in in London for the last fourteen years and um, graduated um, uh, last year, and then I was thinking to myself, okay, well, well, what now? I've been I've been really miserable in London and uh, for for a very long time and I always wanted yeah well I want to go to a different country I want to be in the sun and and all of these things I just don't want to be in London anymore because I'm miserable um but I always felt like this sense of fear and like just not knowing what the next steps are but then this year I literally just woke up one day and I was thinking to myself well why not why not just go? <laughs> like, What's what is stopping really you? stopping you? Yeah. Nothing is stopping me. Like, I, you know, um, yes, I've got, you know, yes, I've got a partner, but like he knows what I'm like and he 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 knows that I'm miserable, <laughs> you know, in London. So, uh, so he's, you know, he's supportive. And, and yeah, and I was just thinking, there is actually just nothing stopping me. So just go. And even if, even if worst case scenario, uh everything everything goes uh well there's a british saying everything goes tits up and you know <laughs> and you have to start from scratch again and go back worst case scenario then you know then then do that but and that's okay but um yeah nothing nothing is stopping you other than you know yourself mm. Mm. so just go and that's <laughs> what i did and i'm in dominican republic living my best life <laughs> yeah. so is your partner gonna come visit Yes, yes. He, okay. he's Perfect. So you're yes. making it work. You're making it work. I'm yeah. making it. We're making it work. Awesome. Yes, yes. Amazing. Yeah. So, what is the most influential book um, that you've read so far? Oh, there is one book. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to have a look at the title because the title escaped me earlier. If you don't mind, um, yeah. Bear with me. Uh, where is it? Oh gosh, that's embarrassing. Where is it? <laughs> Literally, uh, I can't seem to find it now. Oh, that's annoying. Oh gosh, that's really annoying. I can't seem to find it. Um, it's uh, what are you about? I think it's a trauma. Trauma resides in the body. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I, I the the title escaped me, and there's I, a few I mean, of them. Is it the the atoms, the cells, um, something along? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I remember something. Because I, I read it such a long time ago, <laughs> but um, let me see. That's okay. We can just um, you can just tell me, and then I'll put it in the show notes. No problem. What I do is yeah, I okay, cumul- yeah, okay, yeah. What I do is why I accumulate all of these suggested um, or no, all sure. of these favorite influential books, and then I put um, a beautiful post at the end of the season of all of the suggested reads. If anybody wants to pick, ah, uh, okay, okay, these, yeah, so we can, no, we can have that. No problem. Yeah, no <laughs> apologies. Because, like, I was thinking, oh, yeah, she's going to ask me about a book. And then it came into my mind. When I, it came into my mind this morning. I was thinking, okay, well, do you know what? When the time comes, I'll be able to, to pull it up. No problem. And then it doesn't work. Well, hey, no. Okay. But, yeah. No, so it's a it's a book about how somatically we, uh, right. we, we you know, we, we, we hold trauma in, in our bodies. And, and, like, as I've described in my story in terms of you know how I used to communicate and, and things like yes. that and what feels familiar to me like all of that was through my body right like that's an, yeah. like an energy uh that that I that I exuded so so yeah so that book really really resonated yeah. um and really helped put into perspective um so in my know, breath words Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sorry about that. In my breathwork session, we we talk we often talk about sessions. We often talk about how our um, issues are in our tissues, so we want to breathe mm-hmm. all of that out. So yes, I, it totally resonates with um, with my philosophy as well, and and it's proven right. A lot of these energetic stuck emotions are usually stuck in places where it's correlated to some sort of traumatic event, right? So. It's, um, I had a client who um, lost someone. So there was a huge amount of grief that she was going and feeling. And she literally feel, felt like she couldn't breathe. And right. um, I believe it's um, ancient Chinese medicine that the lungs are associated with grief. And that's why right. she felt that heaviness in her chest. She couldn't breathe. Right. So through breath work, uh, we were able to help her grieve. Um, her daughter's suicide. And I also, same thing with me. That's how I got into breath work is because of my, my aunt's grief. And, you know, I felt breathing really helped me release those stuck emotions. So yeah, beautiful book. We'll get you the, we'll get the name and after the season's over, no problem. So what are your top three non-negotiable self-care habits, Dr. Florentia? Oh, my top three is, I mean, for one is what I found is I need to be near water. Water is incredibly calming to me. So, you know, now I can, you know, go to the beach, which is like yeah, five minutes from, from where I'm staying. So that is incredibly calming to me. Um, and before that, you know, I'll go to like an indoor pool, but it's just, it's just not the same. Like, Take me to the beach, please. Uh, <laughs> so, so one is is water. Um, two, I would say is weightlifting. Um, that has really helped to connect with my body a lot, you know, and and helps me focus. Um, and three, I would say is yeah, just cooking, like healthy meals for myself. Um, you know, nourishing myself. Uh, and culturally speaking, you know, uh, cooking is is love. Like it equates to to love. That's how you show some, uh, you know, care for someone. That's that's how you mm. show uh, respect for someone uh, and etc. So you know, for to show that to myself, you know, having that care and love for myself to actually spend time and make dishes from scratch and you know, and making dishes that I absolutely love and and things like that. That is what I enjoy uh, spending spending my time on. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for those. So what is your legacy? What do you want to be known for? I want to be known for empowering women, especially women of color. Uh, but yes, women, women in general, uh, empowering them to live the life that you want to live, uh, to, you know, to step out 
uh, of their comfort zone to embrace, uh, embrace themselves wholly, to expand in ways that they uh, they couldn't have imagined, uh, you know, before. Um, and yeah, yeah, that is that is that is the legacy that I want to want to leave behind. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful, beautiful. So, how can people connect with you? So you can find me on Instagram and that is at Dr. Florencia underscore. I'm also on YouTube, which again is at Dr. Florencia underscore. Um, Yes, those are kind of like the two main channels you can find me on. I have accounts on other social media uh, platforms, but I'm not that active on those. So um, yeah, so if you reach out to me there, I can't really guarantee that I'll get back to you. (laughs) But on, uh, on Instagram and YouTube, for sure. Yes. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you for such a beautiful, enlightening um, conversation. I really enjoyed it. We touched upon a few things. We got through it, I think. We got through most of it. Uh, so yeah. thank you for your time and thank you for the work that you're doing. It sounds amazing. Thank you for living um, your life with purpose and then transmitting that um, to others so that we you, you really do live like a role model, right? So that what you're, you are um, walking the talk and really um, em- embodying what it is that you are teaching your clients. So thank you for that. It really shows and through the conversation as well. It's just so beautiful to see. So thank you for living out your passion and sharing your, your knowledge with myself, with my community and, and the world. I really appreciate you. Oh, well, that's really kind of you. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. It was a lovely conversation. No problem. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss at www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.